0: Matthew chapter 7. Today we finish up the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been a lot of weeks going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we get back to the narrative of Jesus uh, as presented in this gospel uh, next time. Today, chapter 7, verses 24 uh, to 29, which is the end of the chapter. If you grew up in Sunday school, as I did, you probably know the children's song, The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. Unfortunately, many Sunday school songs fail to communicate very clearly what that text of the Bible actually teaches. And so we're going to re-examine this story that Jesus told and make sure we know what he meant. Let me read it, beginning with verse 24. The rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There are three things I want us to hear from this text, but I want us to consider the last verse first, and then we'll come back to the story of the two uh, house builders. And with that last part of this section comes this first point. Jesus speaks with authority. We can say Jesus speaks with unique authority. Like no one else, Jesus speaks with authority. We love the appeal to authority. We do that all the time. On the scholarly level, we're very formal and sophisticated about appealing to authority. So scholarly papers are full of quotes and footnotes and bibliography which document the authority upon which this, these, these propositions that are being written stand. In fact, even when an author puts Ph.D., Dr. Philosophy, after his name, that in itself is an appeal to authority, a claim of his own authority. In a different world, in the world of marketing, advertisers regularly appeal to authority with the simple line, experts agree. Oh, well then it doesn't matter what I think because the experts are the authority. Similarly, in the world of public opinion, the world of polls, we're seeing polls come out every day on the election, we find the most interesting twist of all. You've heard the phrase, according to a recent survey, 90% of people believe whatever it might be. That clearly claims that the authority is con- that, that, that the majority is considered the authority. The fact that ninety percent of people believe something, well, it must be true. In many ways, many different times, many different areas, we appeal to and we claim to speak with authority. But when our text makes the point that Jesus speaks with authority, it's talking about something beyond what we commonly do. So let's think exactly how Jesus' authority was unique. In verse 29, people recognize that Jesus' authority was different than that of the scribes, the teachers of the law. The scribe's job was to memorize the scriptures and the teachings of the rabbis and then pass that tradition on to the next generation. They were the quoters of the experts. They delved into the commentaries and all the writings and all the opinions of the rabbis, and they quoted all those authorities so that people might know the truth. But as John Stott points out, Jesus dismissed the traditions and social conventions and spoke with an authority all his own. You see, the scribes spoke by authority, and they appealed to authority, but Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke as the author of a book compared to one quoting the book. Folks, this truth is quickly being lost in the church. More and more, the church is caught up in the words of their favorite teachers and the traditions of their historic leaders, all of whom they quote as if this is the last word on the subject. If Tim Keller says it, it's decided. If John Calvin said it, it's decided. If Martin Luther said it, don't discuss it anymore. But people need to hear Jesus speaking. We need to be confronted not with someone's faith tradition, true as it might be, but with the word of Christ. For Jesus speaks with unique authority. Jesus' teaching was unique in another way, not just different than the scribes. He spoke differently than the Old Testament prophets. Now we have to be careful here, for the prophets spoke... The word of God. But still there was a radical difference. The prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and etc said, "Thus saith the Lord." Jesus said, "Truly, truly, I say to you. That's different. Twelve times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses that kind of language. Hebrews chapter 1 makes a point of the uniqueness of Jesus compared even to the prophets. In Hebrews 1 we read, In the past God spoke to our forefathers, through the prophets, many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You see, God had been speaking all along through the prophets, but when God became flesh and spoke to us through his Son, that new revelation was complete and was final. It interprets even God's previous revelation through the prophets and through the law so that that previous word is unintelligible apart from the word Of Christ, Jesus speaks with unique authority, different from the scribes, different even from the prophets of God. You know, we all love to appeal to authorities, but the truth of the matter is, we tend to retain the final authority for ourselves. (laughs) The privilege of determining who is really speaking the truth. We pick and choose through truth claims, but ultimately we decide, right? We decide. But Jesus claims that even that ultimate authority is his. He says that his word will judge us. We do not sit in judgment of his word. His word judges us. I challenge you this morning. Before what authority do you ultimately and unconditionally bow? To what do you submit yourself When the chips are down, who or what has the authority to control your thinking and your acting? Is it your culture? Is it your peers, your friends? Is it the world's experts? Jesus speaks with and claims for himself ultimate and unique authority. So it is dangerous to hear the word of Christ. On the one hand, it is life eternal. But if we hear and ignore it, those very life-giving words will condemn us before God on Judgment Day. Which brings us to our second point. Ignoring God's truth brings disaster. Ignoring God's truth brings disaster. It's amazing what people do with this uh, Parable of this illustration of the wise and foolish builders. Someone allegorized it. They would say, "Well, the houses represent this, and the rain represents that, and the foundation is this something else, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." You need to think about Jesus. Jesus is the one telling this story. He's the one giving this illustration. Jesus grew up as a carpenter. He built things. So Jesus is simply and practically teaching. One great truth here, and that is the absolute necessity of not only knowing, but doing, practicing the truth. Specifically, the truth that he had spoken. Failure to do God's truth brings disaster. The illustration which Jesus used is quite simple. Two men build similar houses in about the same locale, perhaps on a beautiful cliff overle- overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The houses look all right. Both are beautiful, showcased houses, which bring delight to their owners and impress their friends. Well, but there's one crucial difference. Only one man dug deep and laid his foundation on rock We're not told why the other failed to do that, but he didn't. Perhaps he was more concerned with appearance than with substance. Perhaps he was in a hurry to finish. Perhaps he was short on furniture and realized if he did that foundation, he would have no money for furniture. Perhaps he was ignorant of the basic principles of building. But whatever the reason, he did not do the truth concerning house building. Now, he apparently got away with it. When the houses were completed, they looked about the same. Both seemed to function well, and everyone lived happily ever after. Until the rain started. I mean, it rained. It really rained. The rains came down, and the floods came up. And then the difference was revealed. Perhaps you've seen the pictures of those beautiful houses built on the Californian hillsides. When the rains come, they tend to have a problem. Mudslides. The houses slide down the cliffs, collapsing like matchsticks as they go. In fact, a couple of years ago, this tragedy happened right down the road in Oso. 49 homes destroyed. 43 people died in a mudslide. Such was the fate of this beautiful house which Jesus told about. So practically, what's the lesson here? Jesus is talking about the difference between hearing or knowing the truth and doing the truth. It is not those who have heard or know or even believe Jesus' words who will stand. It's those who practice them, do them. Conversely, it doesn't matter how much you know about Jesus' teaching, ignoring his word will bring disaster. We live in a culture consumed with appearances. What is inside or underneath or behind the facade is not nearly so important as how things look. Well, this passage reminds us that ultimately appearances matter very little. What matters is substance and structure and a sound foundation of doing the truth. Because ignoring God's truth brings disaster now there are many different ways in which people fail to do the truth some people shake their fists in Christ's face and say i will not they mock and revile him blatantly disregarding everything he says and daring him to stop them such a life is a house is a house built on sand it's just waiting for destruction But most of us don't defiantly shake our face in God's face, dare him to touch us. Instead, we love to hear God's truth, at least a little at a time. We call ourselves Christians. We're churchgoers, mostly. We know the Bible stories. We agree that they're true. We're disturbed when we see the wicked shaking their fist in God's face. But you see, we are the ones Jesus was primarily talking to here. Those who know, have heard, and claim to believe his word, but are not acting on it, are not doing differently than the rest of the world. Oh, this is more subtle. It's a more subtle form of failure. Simply neglecting or postponing the practice of the truth we know. But the result's the same. Ignoring God's truth brings disaster. (laughs) When we listen to what Jesus says here, we, we have to come to understand an interesting point of theology. Faith and obedience cannot be separated. Now we separate them for the point of discussion to make the point that we are saved by grace through faith. It's a Gift of God. We're not saved by the merit of our good works. We're saved by the merit of Christ given to us, which we receive by faith. So that's a good distinction. We have to make that distinction. But in the reality of living life, faith and obedience can never be uncoupled. We hear that in the report of Noah's faith back in Hebrews 11 when it's going through all the great men and women of faith. There we learned that by faith, Noah was saved from the flood. Well, actually, it says a bit more than that. Let me read what it actually says. By faith, Noah, when warned of things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. So was Noah saved because he believed God's word or because he built an ark? <laughs> yes. You cannot divorce the two. If you believe God's word, you build the ark. Dear people, this great truth with which Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount shakes me to the roots, I must admit, for I fear for myself and I fear for many I know. For I think many professing Christians are building a house of carts, a house built on sand, just waiting for the storm which will reveal the shortcuts and the broken rules and the disregard for God's word, all of which has been, have been covered by this lovely Christian facade. But God's word never fails. And he says, whatever man sows, that shall he reap. He who sows to the flesh will of his flesh reap destruction, failure to do the truth Brings eventual collapse. Finally, there's one more thing we need to learn from this parable. Brings us to our third point. Obedience sustains us in trouble. Obedience sustains us in trouble. As I said at the beginning, sometimes the Sunday school songs miss the truth of God's word. And that's the case with the song based on this text, I, I believe. You probably know that children's chorus. You probably remember the last verse. It goes like this. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings, the blessings will come down. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. So build your life. On the Lord. Now, I agree that our lives ought to be built on the Lord and the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I agree that we ought to pray. And I agree that God blesses His people. His grace is greater than we can imagine, though those things are not exactly what this parable is about. I, be, I believe those things. But the way those things are put together in that little song distorts Jesus' teaching here. There abounds in our day a false Christianity which says, If you will accept Jesus, all of your life will then be wonderful. You've heard the testimonies. Once my life was full of trouble without direction, one calamity after another. Uh, But but, but I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and everything has changed. Now I have a life full of blessing, no more trouble, no more pain. Suddenly I'm successful in everything I do, and I feel so good. It's like being high on Jesus all the time. Or as we sing as kids, the blessings come down as the prayers go up. Folks, this this text teaches exactly the opposite of that. According to verse 25 and verse 27, quote, the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house. Those exact words describe what happened to both houses the elements tried to destroy the house built on the rock as much as it tried to destroy the house built on the sand the only difference was the foundation of the one hand of the one house which enabled it to stand while the other house fell with a great crash you see you cannot say that the storms will not beat on christians You cannot say if you follow Christ, all your trouble will cease. You can pray and your life will be full of blessing. No, your trouble may just be beginning. Christians get sick and hospitalized and paralyzed. They suffer excruciating pain and eventually die. Christians lose their children. They get in car accidents. They fall off ladders. They accidentally drown. Christians have financial trouble. They lose their jobs. They get robbed. They have their homes burglarized. Christians get lonely and discouraged and depressed and offended. Christians have marriage trouble and rebellious teenage kids and cantankerous neighbors and impossible bosses. Christ does not promise us freedom and relief from the whole spectrum of human maladies. Nor does he promise that he will relieve us from the agony of living in this sad, fallen world, which groans under the curse. No, he does not deliver us. Not yet. He will, but not yet. So what does Christ promise in this parable? That the storms of life are absolutely certain. They're going to beat upon you. They beat upon everybody. But the way of obedience will sustain you through that trouble. Faith that obeys Christ is the only adequate foundation for life. Only those who practice Christ's word will be equipped to stand, to withstand, to function in the midst of all life's common troubles. The life of disobedience, whether it's blatant Or subtle, whether it's defiant or dismissive, the life of disobedience will eventually collapse under the pressure of the storms. Obedience sustains us in times of trouble. Three truths this morning Jesus speaks with unique authority. Be careful not just to reduce the word of Jesus to just another opinion. He is the eternal word of God whose words have God's authority. Secondly, ignoring God's word causes disaster. It's not enough to know. It's not enough to believe. What matters is whether you believe enough to do the truth. Third. Obedience sustains us in trouble. It is foolish to think that God will never let you face trouble. He will. I promise you, he will. But it's just as foolish to think that you can disregard God's instruction and still survive the times of testing and chastening. So with the Apostle Paul this morning, I urge you, be careful what you build your life on. For its quality would be revealed by the storms of life and ultimately by the fires of judgment day. Instead, look around you and see who, while confessing the truth, failed to practice it consistently. And when trouble came, sometimes a very little bit of trouble, their faith collapsed into a dreadful heap. At the same time, look around and see the great men and women of faith you've known. As Hebrews 13 exhorts us, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Amen. Let's pray.